Welcome back to Recovery Coast to Coast, America's nightly voice for recovery, carrying the message of hope and the promise of recovery, even in these crazy COVID times. I'm Neil Scott, and in this edition of Recovery Coast to Coast, I want to check in on some of the people on the front lines of addiction treatment. These are certainly changing times. These are incredibly challenging times, fraught with uncertainty as we all try to figure out things on the fly. And as Governor Andrew Cuomo of New York said recently in one of his daily briefings, this is like trying to build an airplane while flying the airplane. And to get a national perspective on treatment in the time of COVID, I've reached out to one of America's top treatment authorities and a man I'm proud to call my friend, Marvin Ventrell. He's the executive director of NAATP, which is the National Association of Addiction Treatment Providers. He has the pulse on the community of addiction programs around the country. Marv, welcome back to Recovery Coast to Coast. Thank you for having me, Neil. It's always nice to talk to you. First of all, how are you doing? How's your family and how's your incredible staff doing during these times? Yeah, you're kind to ask. <laughs> I wish we all remembered to may we all remember to start our conversations with that personal touch. We're well. Everybody's got a story. You know, it's difficult for for our family and our staff. I will say that we're doing well and um, we're resilient people. And the NAATP staff is extraordinary. They have they surprised are. even me. They have doubled down their efforts. We got out in front of this relative to what a membership association or trade association can do under these circumstances. We began our upgraded week webinar series, which became biweekly and dedicated to COVID response for our treatment programs almost immediately. And, and we're just enhancing the connectivity that NAATP stands for, such that we can provide folks with everything we, we have and connect them to one another to share their resources. So our staff's incredible. And I will say also, you know, NAATP as a national trade association is not related so much to place as a treatment center is, right? We don't right. treat people at our office. We help people treat people at, on their campuses. And so we work in a cloud by nature, which leads us to be able to be very amenable to virtual work. We were already on that path and, and we're able to operate well because of that. Marv, if you will, give our listeners a snapshot of NAATP, the number of programs you represent and your mission. Sure. NAATP is the National Association of Addiction Treatment Providers. So we are a professional membership society, a trade association, if you will, of addiction treatment providers. It is the provider entity that, that is our member. So approximately 1,000 substance use disorder addiction treatment programs uh, across the land are members of NAATP, and we serve that membership in several ways one of which is connectivity that I already mentioned. The other is the provision of education and resources. Yet another is the standardization of practices. We promote best practices and promulgate those. And then lastly of my list, but hardly lastly in importance, is public policy advocacy. Our work in Washington, D.C. to advocate on behalf of the industry as a whole is has always been of paramount importance, and it's even more so now. And we are on the Hill every day since this thing broke advocating for help for our treatment programs 
We're getting a lot of that. We need a lot more. The need for addiction treatment has not taken a break during the virus. In fact, there are many, many people who find themselves in need of treatment. What is the temperature of the treatment community nationally amidst the challenges? You know, it, I, I've, I've read a lot. I've talked to a lot of our members and there are surveys coming out. And the answer depends on, well, says who and which group are you talking to? It's difficult to compare apples to apples. There are very large behavioral health organizations that are well-resourced, scaled, if you will, such that they can withstand economic downturn. There are small, wonderful provision of services, treatment programs, the traditional Minnesota model, if you will, with maybe fewer than 50 beds. And, and their margins are very slight and they can't withstand it. So what I would say across the board is, as for our membership, we are surviving. We are open and we are surviving and we are dedicated to staying that way. You know, this is not an industry that's unfamiliar with hardship, right? Hardship is our, is our daily practice, right? <laughs> People are dying in crisis, don't see hope, and our job is to respond and give hope. And so that carries forward. There's tremendous resilience here. I'm not going to kid you. We're getting hit hard. This is brutal. Um, we're losing centers. Mm -hmm. um, but when I look at our membership versus perhaps the treatment community at large, which is, which is many, many thousands more, our members are thriving better because they are the members who have longstanding success. You know, one of the ways that you get hurt or are successful is your census, right? Yeah. Are, are people able to come to you and are you able to take them in and treat them? And if you're dependent on Google hits or you're dependent on flights across the country, as opposed to uh, a tradition and reputation of being solid in your community, that's a very different business model. So the folks who are in the, in the latter, especially if they're in larger markets, you know, big cities um, are, are surviving better. This is profound. And I don't want to for a second suggest understate the brutality of this. Uh, but I also don't want to tell you that there's a bunch of treatment programs that are basically giving up or running around like chicken little because we're, we're going to do this thing together. We don't know exactly how. One day at a time, that's how we're Yeah, for sure. We're discussing addiction treatment in the shadow of COVID-19. Our guest joining us is Marvin Ventrell from NAATP. You mentioned advocacy. You mentioned legislation and working on the Hill. Is the federal government going to help the treatment centers that are struggling? Yes, and they have. I mean, to Congress's credit, um, the allocation of the payroll protection plan money, the PPP money, ha uh, is applicable to our treatment programs, either by virtue of their 501c3 not-for-profit status or their small business status. Everybody is, doesn't fit that. There are organizations that are bigger, but it, but that captures a lot. And many, many of our centers have received that um, payroll protection money, which allows them to continue, reduce the losses, continue, keep folks on, on staff, even if they have to be furloughed. Th that's been very helpful. It's just a beginning. The currently pending request for $38.5 billion toward behavioral health needs to be approved and distributed. And we are advocating like crazy for that. And that, that, that hasn't happened yet. You know, the House has, has uh, pushed that forward. The Senate 
is up in the air. This week, uh, you were to have had the 2020 Leadership Conference of NAATP in San Diego. Obviously, it was canceled. Uh, is it going to be rescheduled? And what do you offer online to members of NAATP, perhaps in lieu of or as an adjunct to, to that uh, conference? Yeah, this week, we would have started this weekend on Friday and had our three days, and we were planning a magnificent conference one of the things that I was so excited about was that we were bringing together leadership from across the divide, if you will. Uh, we have the payers coming to speak. We had the uh, the major agencies coming together so that we could all do this. And it was going to be a, a, a hell of a conference. And so we, we had to cancel. Now, uh, you're absolutely it's rescheduled. So um the plan, uh, we, you know, we plan years in advance. And so the, the 2021 conference, by the way, the San Diego conference would have been our 42nd annual and the ATP was founded in 1978. So we've, we've seen some hard times, nothing quite like this, but some hard times. Um, so we're rescheduling for 2022. We were already set for May 2021 in Denver, and that will happen. God willing, I think God will be willing. And then we'll move back to San Diego, where we were going to be in 2022. So we go on. We're not going away. It's a critical need to have that national conference. In the meantime, what can we do? Our webinar series is happening at one or two sessions a week. Some of those are very specific COVID-related responses. But look, the issues don't change in many respects. As you said, the COVID crisis, national crisis, healthcare epidemic, does not take away the addiction epidemic. To the contrary, the addiction epidemic is made worse by virtue of of this. You know, Bill White, our great chronicler and, and thinker in this field, has suggested that not only are people struggling who already suffer by virtue of this isolation. Addiction is an isolating disease. Recovery is a community disease. So this is the, the wrong thing to happen. But not only are those people suffering more and struggling, but this could very well create a new population. That's all we need, a new population of folks who suffer from substance use disorder because of life's pressures. You know, what happens with addiction? Well, we medicate our uh, difficulties. And there's a population that's prone to do that statistically. Well, difficulties have increased across the board. And so it's very likely that more people will tr than would have otherwise will treat their their emotional distress with uh, substances. And so it's it's going the needs actually going to go up. Some of the webinars are relative to COVID specifically. Some of them are the same leadership and clinical and operational resources that have the same application or tweaked application in the current environment, and we're moving forward with those. And then I would also point your listeners to our COVID response page. We have assembled an update daily on our website, www.naatp.org, a special COVID resource page that contains, you can pull up all the old webinars, right? They're all recorded in there, and you can pull them up and, and watch them and schedule new ones and, and all kinds of other resources ranging from social science work to, to biological medical practices to, uh, to frankly, to um, spiritual care. Marvin Ventrell, Executive Director of NAATP, joining us for a few moments talking about COVID-19, the impact on treatment all across the country. 
how do you reimagine the future? We're not going back to normal. It's going to be new when this thing finally passes. How do you reimagine the future of treatment? Well, erroneously. I mean, I, um, I, the best I can, the best we can, but anybody that suggests, suggests they can prognosticate this well is not being honest because we don't know enough. We, we have to do what we can. We have to say, okay, based on what we know today, here are our projections. But look, we don't know. And the biggest thing we don't know is the overarching economic impact on our country. Mm. Look, if unemployment re is already at depression era levels, uh, and they're suggesting there are there are, there are suggestions that it could go to twenty percent. Well, you know those are the factors that exist above and beyond addiction treatment that will impact us dramatically, and we don't know what's going to happen. And so, first of all, I would say whatever projections we think we have are are going to be wrong, and then you have to keep adjusting, right? That, so you make the projections, you watch. And you look at it today and you make more projections. But what I would say as a general rule is we're going to lose centers mm. and two primary trends are going to be enhanced or uh, amplified. The trends that that were in existence are are primarily twofold. One is mergers and consolidations of the field for some years now couple of decades, we have been experiencing the consolidation of addiction treatment programs from lots and lots of small centers that operated independently to those coming together in behavioral health entities. And that's already happening, and, and this is going to increase that, expedite it, particularly as to those small centers whose margins of safety simply do not allow them to continue so big guys will come along. Mm. And then there's just going to be some that just disappear. I've heard, you know, I don't, I don't know this number, but there's been a suggestion that 30% of our substance use disorder treatment programs are going to go under. I, I hope it's wrong. I hope it's less than that. Certainly some are. So the trend toward national health care groupings is going to continue and be enhanced. The second thing is the virtual environment, digital treatment already underway. You know, many of the larger forward-thinking organizations were already working hard to develop a place within their treatment programs for telehealth, virtual care, and that's now just been bumped up exponentially. And specifically, you know, we're going to see how well that works. And I think it works better than some people think. I think there is efficacy. I think it doesn't work as well as some people think. The key for this, as we see this grow, is going to be that assessments as to what each individual need is, treatment need is, be dependent upon that individual, nobody else, and clinical criteria that we know are best practice uh, evaluative methods, the ASAM criteria, for example. If what happens here is that we get stuck in a path of uh, deciding what works based on what can be paid for or allow payers to dictate who gets care, then we're in trouble. But but we have to be able to just assess this clinically. And I think that clearly a younger population, a generation that has grown up comfortable with, happy with, more than comfortable with, it's what they do with technology. That population is going to respond substantively, I believe, better than folks that are as old as you and I, Neil. <laughs> we don't want to go there, Marv. Uh, yeah. what, what advice do you have for families that realize that someone in their family, a loved one, maybe it's the person listening right now, 
is in need of treatment. And given the restrictions of travel and craziness of finances, what advice do you have to families that really need to find treatment for someone? Do not hesitate to seek treatment. The disease of substance use disorder is potentially fatal. And uh, your loved one, yourself, need that treatment under this environment, just as you did before, maybe worse. Treatment is available. Help is available. Centers are open. And we can treat you safely. We can treat you safely. We have protocols in place that allow for uh, testing right up front. That's been the key, testing, 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 mm -hmm. to the extent that we can get protective equipment to staff and patients and get testing, we can do this and we're doing it. In fact, the dip in census, that is to say, people coming into treatment that occurred in April is already fixing itself to some extent because folks have come to understand that you need the care and we can do this safely. And when folks come in positive, they're isolated, uh, they're quarantined. Temperatures are taken every day of the entire population. We have distancing within treatment programs. So this is, this can be done. Do not think for one minute that, that you cannot get uh, addiction treatment because of this. An important message, treatment centers around the country are staying open. They are staying safe. And you can find those treatment centers by going to NAATP.org. And again, as, as Marv said earlier, they have a COVID briefing page where you can find all sorts of information and replays of webinars and some really, really good stuff as we move forward together in all of this. You know, I want to I just close, Marv, by altering ever so slightly the serenity prayer by saying, God grant us the serenity to accept the things that we just cannot change, courage to change those things we can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Hope replaces fear. Fear leads to bad decisions. I can be, feel fear, but I can know there's hope, and that's the only way to get up and, then, and do it again every day. Fight the good fight. Marv, you're, you're awesome, and I appreciate your time. Thank you, buddy. You take care. Marvin Rentrell, Executive Director, NAATP, NAATP.org. I'm Neil Scott. A short time out. We will be right back.